On today's show, Collingwood were able to equal Carlton's record of three in a row the previous year. 1930 would be their opportunity to make history. The depression was really hitting the country hard and supporters looked more than ever to their sporting heroes for a distraction from the hardships of everyday life. Checker Hughes at Richmond and Dan Minogue at Carlton were coming for Jock McHale's team, along with everyone else who wanted to knock off the machine. Now in the 1930s, we begin to mention several big names who will later be Hall of Fame legends. Add to that, the VFL had to work out what to do with a three-way tie in the Brownlow. All this and more coming up after the song. It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick show Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman To hear what they all have to say Yes, welcome to the Kick to Kick podcast. We are into the 1930s, lads. Oh my God, can you believe it? A new decade. A new decade. Welcome wow. to the 30s, Coops. Oh, it feels good to be here. It feels good to be here. Shake Finally. up the troubles from the 20s and Kazmir. here come the 30s. Hi. The roaring 20s, they're done. <laughs> I know, sad 30s. to see them go, that's right. It is. So we'll call here. it the roaring 30s. Yeah. <laughs> We're just changing <laughs> it. <laughs> oh um, not so roaring though, is it? No, not yet. Oh, it's um, whimpering at the yeah, moment, the you would say. 30s. It'll come to but a roar. But there's a certain team a clicking into gear, oh. firing up the p- all pistons. Mm. Um, hello to our listeners in Bangladesh, Norway and Spain. Oh. <laughs> Had our first two downloads in Spain. Still no news on Hola. Russia. Still nothing in Russia though. Oh, that's all right. That's okay. Is yeah. it hey ho or hey ho in Swedish? Uh, I don't know because it's not Sweden. <laughs> uh, Norway. Oh, so close. <laughs> we, we have had downloaders, uh, listeners in Sweden, though. Hello to our listeners in Sweden, also. <laughs> so I can't oh, speak Norwegian. I love it. <laughs> yes. Okay, can I edit don't. that out? <laughs> no. <laughs> First one for the 30s. Yeah, I love it. Straight in. Uh, 1930s. Yeah. Can you believe it? Well, thir- 1930. Mm-hmm. It's a good year, Tim. Yeah. yeah, it's a great year. Newswise? Yeah, newswise. Lots happened. Yeah, excellent. It kicked um, off with a bang. Hit song of the 1930s. This is this is a good one, Kaz. Oh, hit me. Harry Richmond, putting on the Ritz. Oh, oh yes. Love groovy. That one. Yeah. Groovy. It is groovy. It's definitely a groovy song. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else meant I'll tell you, I'll good. tell you what. The 6th of January, very fu- very early, Don Bradman scored a record 452 not out in one innings of cricket. Ooh, there the you go. The big Don. Um, and on the same day, A.A. Milne signed a licensing agreement allowing uh, Stephen Schlesinger in the US uh, merchandising rights to Winnie the Pooh. Wow. So a couple of big things happened on January the 6th. <laughs> um, was that in Sweden? It wasn't in Sweden, unfortunately. Okay. Um, on the 15th of January, the moon moved to its nearest point to the Earth. Okay. I love a bit of science. Right. Science. Uh, you were like, moon moved. <laughs> no, the moon moved. We moved it. You moved leagues. So, it's the closest the moon has been in recent history at three hundred fifty-six thousand three hundred ninety-seven kilometers. The next closest time will be on the first of January, twenty-two fifty-seven. <gasps> wow! I want to right? be there for that. What did that do to the tides? I um, all the water was on one side of the planet. <laughs> no, I, <just> <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, would have, there would have been a serious king tide, I imagine, mm. yeah. Um, on the 31st of January, the 3M company marketed scotch tape for the very first time. 
And on the 2nd of February, the Communist Party of Vietnam was established, which is kind of the precipitation to the Vietnam War, really, in a a long time before. Um, On the 18th of Feb, um, Clyde Tombaugh confirmed the existence of Pluto. Okay. Yeah. Did call it a planet though? Was uh, no, he uh, was a planet. Oh. He confirmed it was considered a planet until redefined in 2006 as a dwarf planet. I still, I'm. Uh, it's, it's still, it's still a planet to yeah. me. Yeah. You mean yeah. a lot Sorry, to me, Pluto. Pluto. <laughs> yeah, uh, on the 2nd of March, Mahatma Gandhi informed the British Viceroy that civil disobedience would begin the following week, which started the Salt March. I like how that he informed them that he was going to be disobedient. Yeah. Which isn't that disobedient. It's such a polite way to be isn't disobedient. There are, here's a couple more inventions for you as well. March the 6th, the first frozen foods of Clarence Birdseye went on sale. Birdseye frozen yeah, foods, amazing. And on the 17th of April, neoprene was invented by DuPont. Who, all the surfers out there, be very grateful for the 1930s. Yes. Uh, on the 19th of April, Warner Brothers uh, in the US released their first cartoon series, Looney Tunes. Which ran until 69. Yeah, a little bit behind uh, Disney. A little bit yeah, behind not Disney. Far. Not far, exactly. And on the 11th... Hang on, that's not right. <laughs> no, on the 11th of July, it says Donald Bradman scored, scored a world record 309 runs in one day. Yeah, no, that makes sense. World record 309 runs in a single day. Wow. Unbelievable. During a test match against England. On the 13th of July, in some more sports news, the first FIFA World Cup started. Lucien Laurent scored the very first goal for France against Mexico. And Uruguay won? And Uruguay won, yeah. On the 30th of July, they beat Argentina 4-2. There you go. And on the 4th of November, guess who won the Melbourne Cup? Farlap. Farlap won the Cup. (laughs) And on the 2nd of December, to end the year... Uh, Herbert Hoover went before the Congress in the US to ask for a $150 million public work program to help create jobs to stimulate the economy. Mm. Yeah. So I'm thinking this fire lap might win a few more. Yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's a good horse. Isn't it? It's quite interesting that the depression's happening, but there's these sporting so heroes. Yeah. And we talked about mm. Babe Ruth's. Yeah, the Murderer's Road. Murderer's Road. This is the same time. Started yeah. last year, so didn't it? Yeah. Huge sporting identities were Around. shaping the world. Yeah, at this, at this time. time, taking our minds off the fact that yeah. it was going was down, that, down a plug. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Did you have any other events to add to that? I didn't. Know. So, moving on to the births then, because there were a few big ones. Twentieth of January, Buzz Aldrin. Hey, he's the still second alive. person to set foot on the moon. He's still alive. Twenty-fourth uh, of March, Steve McQueen, the American actor. On the 21st of May, Malcolm Fraser, the 22nd Prime Minister of Australia, was born. And on the uh, the 22nd of May, Harvey Milk, the politician and the gay rights activist, was born. Yep. 31st of May, Clint Eastwood. A few May babies there. Yeah. <laughs> on the 5th of August, Neil Armstrong, the American astronaut, Same and first man to set foot on the moon. Uh, which actually we're coming up to the 50th anniversary and next we week. Oh, it's next week. The 20th of, 20th of July. Appointing. Yeah. Which um, by the time this goes to where it will have happened. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, yeah, well, there you go. Happy that's, the, that's the magic of yes. pre-recording Podcast. things. Yes. Um, and on the 25th of August, Sean Connery, better known as James Bond to most. Yeah, he's still alive as well. He certainly is. And on the 30th of August, Warren Buffett, the American billionaire and entrepreneur, was born. Mm. There Very you nice. Go. Good year. Good, great year. Yeah, great apart, year. apart from that depression. Great, yeah, yeah. Like a I mean, that started last year, though, so we get, we're getting there. We're coming out. <laughs> the 30s. <Yeah>. <laughs> we're in the 30s. <laughs> we're through the tough part. 
Um, now, before we get into our 1930 season, make sure you check out our website, kicktokickpodcast.com. Yes. Lots of interesting stuff. We've got uh, yeah. McCracken Award histories up there. We've got all names now going back to 1897. You can check out who we've chosen. Have a look at a few, few different articles and things. And, yeah, yeah, the Crap Chronicles are there if you want, to, want some more on Henry Crap. I mean, who doesn't? I know, there's lots there. <laughs> um, uh, we've got the, the, team, um, the team of uh, Our last, team of the, from the start to, the, to 1920. Yeah, is that up there, Tim? Uh, yeah. well, some things yes. like that. <laughs> Matters of interest. It will be up there, and any, any music you hear on our show is up there as well. We've uh, pretty much got an album worth of songs now. <laughs> Which yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's yeah. worth checking out. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So please check that out. Um, yeah. All right, some league news for us to start with. So Harrison House opened on 31 Spring Street. Yeah. Officially opened as VFL headquarters. Yeah, so they bought it the previous year, named it Harrison House, but yeah. it, it was they now moved all the boxes across and hmm. it was officially opened. Yes. Yeah. Um, something that been, everyone's been calling out for for years has finally been instituted. Yes. The, the 19th, 19th man. man. <laughs> finally. Yeah. Uh, so that means the team can have 18 players on the field and one reserve player, the 19th man being substituted for an injured player. Whoever goes off can't come back can't on. Can't come back on. So yeah. similar to how we see soccer now. Yeah. 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 Um, Which but, at least is a bit of a change. You yeah. know, it's, it's moving in the right direction. Yeah. That's right. And interestingly enough, the 19th man was only paid a fee if he took the field. He sat on the bench all day, then nothing happened. Oh, oh he's just sitting there, just, just waiting, just, wait, he, just twiddling his thumbs. He'd be on at half-time running laps to try and stay match fit. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's it. Um, um, so. And there, there we had, again, 18 rounds this year, although slightly different to the previous few, year, few years. In pre- the previous years, um, the matches in 12, round 12 to 18 were the reverse of matches 1 to 7. Yeah. Now they are the... Reverse this year, they're the reverse of the matches in rounds five to 11. Mm. So, yeah, it's sort of still not equal. No, (laughs) no, no, we're still not there. Uh, It's been what we ever be almost 90 years. Yeah, yeah, no, we haven't figured it out. And also, the culture law came into uh, effect. Yeah, Mm. explain that. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, it was Kaz needs to know, so I can quiz him later. (laughs) So, in it happened in March, just before the season. Um, the player payments committee made a recommendation that um, no senior player can be paid more than three pounds. They may be paid less, but they cannot be paid more than three pounds for each home and away match. And players were also to be paid if they were injured, and no more than twelve pounds for a finals match. So, it's got in here uh, about two thousand the two thousand eight. Yep. Equivalent of that, which is about one hundred and seventy dollars a game yep. and six hundred and eighty for finals yep. per match. It sounds like um, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have made that if the clubs couldn't pay it. So it's like uh, at least at least you've got the clubs supporting themselves. Like it's been, yeah, it's, been a well, it, it's equalization. It's well. equalization, and they. I mean, Collingwood. We talked about this had been paying everyone three pounds. Well, they dropped it a little bit. Mm. Apart from Sid. Apart from Sid, yeah, yeah. Um, but. Now they've sort of made it a rule across it, and I guess that's precipita- was precipitated by the depression a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, it also said that no additional lump sum payments could be made, and VFL instituted a series of penalties for the breaches, like fi- fines and things, if um, clubs were um, found to be breaking those laws. And also they could lose premiership points. Mm. So that, that it became known as the Coulter Law yep. because of George Coulter, who was the chairman of the Player Payments Committee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good rule. So do you remember all that, Kaz? Got it. Years ago. Yeah, there will <laughs> be a later. test. Um, 
They Let's also the they amended the holding the ball rule this season. At the start of the season, they changed it uh, so that uh, it obliged a player to punch or kick the ball when he was held. Mm-hmm. But it only lasted two months before, so around round twelve, it went back to the old rule of allowing a player to drop the ball instead. Okay, hang on. <laughs> They're yeah, allowed yeah. to drop yeah. the ball. Well, I guess so. We'll... If you were tackled, you'd have to punch or kick the ball to get yep. it away. Yeah. Um, but then it went back, went to, back um, to just dropping. So it's the like they made the right decision, but then maybe maybe it was too hard to police or something yeah. happened there why they stopped it. Yeah. Seems yeah. like the right thing to do. Um, also, there was a bit it's of commotion over the bell, so, so crowds were quite noisy. In these well, days. we've we've noticed that this has happened a couple of times in the previous years, hasn't it? That that the umpire hasn't been able to hear this bell yeah. over the sound, and the game doesn't end until the umpire blows the whistle. Yes, exactly. So round seven, they trialled an electronic bell, and it was deemed successful. Oh, I'd like good. to know what that mm. sounded like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something like that. Um, <laughs> that electronics, probably more. <laughs> also, okay. the E. L. Wilson Shield was initiated this year. The E. L. Wilson Shield. Tim. So. Edwin Lionel Wilson, who was the secretary of the VFL from its inception, so from 1897 until 1929, um, this shield was created and awarded to each year's premiership team. Interesting thing about this shield, Kaz, is that um, I want to see the, the, the VFL lost it. Oh. <laughs> when they moved houses, um, the they, they lost it and uh, yeah. oh, only found it recently. Okay. So, so they've recently, maybe five or six years ago, they, they found it, refurbished it, and it's actually actually on display at AFL House. I was there last week. Go and you got a photo it of it, Timmy? Is it up on our Instagram? It'll, it'll it be will up be. on our Instagram. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, that's right. yeah. Um, Check and I, it out. And that just stays at AFL House with the little shield with the Premier written on it. Mm. It's quite yes. substantial. Quite yeah, nice. there's quite a lot of little uh, shields on there. Little, yeah. little They're going to have to add a new wooden, well, the, the space wooden the bat. Yeah, you can leave. There's at least mm. room for another fifty there. So um, I'm a bit worried about this aspect. Like what? So it, it was just for winning the premiership. Yes. Okay. So and this is before any, no, any the... premiership cup was around. So ah. you had the so team got the flag. Uh, this stayed at like VFL House. Team yeah. got the flag, and then later the trophy. And yep. this was yeah. Yep. This, this was to make sure that nobody, you know, lost any... Oh, no, wait, hang on. There's <laughs> yeah. no disputing the history, too, once it's... No. And uh, <laughs> finally, baseball matches were played as curtain raises throughout much of the year. I love that. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. And I think it would suit if, the field. Yeah, well, if you look at um, the it's YouTube... Chop it up, there's, a, there's a YouTube video of games from back then and some footage, and you can, and you see, can the see the baseball diamond, diamond in, the, in it. Fields, That's yeah. so cool. I love that. That's awesome. I wonder if there's any baseballers that played in the teams. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Imagine the double up. Gordon Coventry hits six home runs and then kicks 17 goals. (laughs) 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 All right, so let's go for our usual system, bottom to top. Kazman, you kick us off. In 12th place, North Melbourne. So they're the blue and white. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that. But wearing a a blue top with a white V. That's right. Yes. Uh, I paused. Yeah, not the stripes. They they got rid of the stripes a couple of years ago. Mm. Soon to come back. Tiny little white collar. Um, One win. And wasn't it good? We'll find out later. (laughs) Um, 17 losses and 51.8%. Yes. Yeah, so captain coached by Johnny Lewis and their lead goal kicker was Matthews with 29. Not a lot to say, apart from, unfortunately, they also, not only did they finish on the bottom of the ladder, they lost a legend this year. Yeah, Sid Barker. Sid Barker passed away on so the 23rd the first, of March. Oh, first one that came to mind. Yeah. He's, um, he, so the club unveiled a uh, plaque and memorial to him that year as well. And one of the debutants was Sid Barker Jr. 
in 1930. Oh, a bit of... I like that. It's just a bit That's sad nice. that he didn't get to see his son his play. His son play, no. Mm. Um, speaking of debutantes, here's some, uh, some names for you, Kaz. <laughs> Malbray Weir. Yeah, I like that Malbray. one. I like Hector that. Hector Moir. Oh, I love it. I love a good Hector, but Malbray's just so... I've never heard that one before. And it's like, mm. okay. Char- Charlie Cameron also was playing that year, which yeah. is it's good to see him still going um, strong today. <laughs> interestingly enough, he's the third Charlie Cameron that has played up until 1930. I know. I was going to say, yeah, I've, I've noticed that name a few times yeah. coming through. Yeah. Um, and we know he's around. He can still kick around today. Yeah, that's he right. certainly he's playing is. up for Brisbane. Mm. Um, they lost, there was a big change at North Melbourne as well. They lost seven players through transfers this year, including Leo Dwyer, Arthur Lowe... Uh, Smith, Johns, Nolan, Clawston and Briggs. Did Essendon steal them all? Again? They did not, know. <laughs> <laughs> Why would we steal players off a team that finished on the bottom of the ladder? Um, there are, you said they only had one win, Kaz. That happened in round five against St Kilda at Arden Street. In that game, they won by 28 points. Yes. Um, one of their other debutants was Bob Matthews. He also led the goal kicking. Uh, yes, I said that, yeah. He kicked 29, and the second second closest was the, actually their captain coach, Johnny Lewis, with 23. Yeah, and they... Bob Matthews as well was only 17. At the time? Yeah. Wow. Great, yeah. His debut season, so... Well done. Not a great... No, not um, much... No, not much else to talk about. Thing, no. Um, huh. And then that's, that's North Melbourne. They, at the end of the season, they had a deficit of 361 pounds, representing an annual loss of 200 pounds. Mm. Also, they were carrying a loss from the previous year as well. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Shinburn and Spirit will see them through. (laughs) Um, In 11th place, Footscray with four wins and 14 75.8%. Footscray, the tricolours, Tim. Tricolours, they are. Well done, Kaz. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, captain coach this year by Alan Hopkins. Their lead goal kicker was Albie Morrison with 48. Yeah. Um, so they lost at home to Fitzroy in round one. They won back-to-back games against Essendon by 16 and North Melbourne by 42. Um, and as you said, Albie Morrison picking up where he left off from the last yeah. season, kicking 11 goals in those first three games across those first three games. Um, interesting story about their round six win over Hawthorne as well. Um, the game being described as unscientific, spiteful football. <laughs> Hawthorne steadily piled up point upon point, and when three or four minutes of time off had passed, they were five points ahead. A dangerous-looking sortie was cleverly turned by Elbie Morrison, whose long kick was taken up by Norm Woodman. Shot across to Arthur Smith, almost in line with the post. It was Footscray's last chance. The great silence that awaited his kick was rent by a mighty shout as he coolly passed to William straight in front. The ladder's kick fell right on the line in a bunch of soaring defenders. Arthur Smith rose highest and held securely the winning goal, um, which was consummated on the best piece of play for the day. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and then they went on a big losing streak. Won Bro. one more oh. game. Yeah, so following that win, they had 10 losses in a row. Their only other win coming in round 17 against Geelong at home. Mm, a bit unlike them, really. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. These things happen. They do. So, in 10th place... Hawthorne and the Mayblooms, unfortunately wilting down there. Um, (laughs) That joke is just, yeah. We're back to the original three new teams down the bottom. Down the bottom we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, Fitzroy has lifted themselves out. (laughs) Just, um, spoilers. So, six wins, 12 losses, 77.3%. Charlie, the Mayblooms, who's been... What's been going on? Well, who knows? They're in disarray. <laughs> John Jiggy Harris as captain coach. Yes, yeah, oh, he came on, across Jiggy. from Collingwood, so yes. he was a two-time premiership player. He knows what to um, do. He was the one who was dropped for the 1929 grand final. Yeah. They enticed him over at a princely sum of £7.10 a week. 
for coach plus a three pound playing playing fee. Ah, so ten pounds a week, yeah. not bad. Yeah. In depression, pretty bloody good. Yeah, look, yeah. Well, you can see why he would have got pulled across, especially after getting dropped. You'd be thinking, yeah, a bit angry with the club, and the team's not going to change much. No. So yeah, and then Bert Hyde was their lead goal kicker with fifty-two. Yep. Good. Um, <coughs> Uh, That's pretty good. Debutante name for you, Artie Frecker. <laughs> I like it. Artie Frecker. Yeah, it rolls off the tongue nicely. Doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, round one, uh, Hawthorne had a great first up win with an 11-point come-from-behind win against St Kilda, uh, a team that had played finals the previous year as well. Yeah. A four-goal-to-none last quarter winning the game, Burt Hyde kicking five. They just can't sort of um, get any momentum can they no round two and three were losses um, but they really pushed both Collingwood and Carlton which surprised many and then round four saw Hawthorne have their first ever win over Geelong at Glen Ferry by 25 points hey. great for them setting up a future great rivalry uh-huh. got a while to wait for that <laughs> um, round nine Fitzroy kicked eight goals in the first quarter playing Hawthorne with strong arm tactics secretary Sam Ramsey took the unusual move to address the team at half time saying Go out and put more vim into your play. Your supporters are squealing and they are entitled to consideration. The coach echoed this saying, you can't give an inch to these fellows. They're, gonna, they're going into it with vim and determination and you've got to do the same. No vigour though. He's asking for vim but no vigour. No I don't vigor. really understand. <laughs> That's what's happening. That's Those things they... usually go together. They do. <laughs> um, but in that game, Fitzroy won by four, four goals. Yep. Um, around 11 against Melbourne the first half wasn't without controversy as Hawthorne's Daffy was denied a goal after a clear mark he took the ball and with nobody standing the mark he kicked the goal the umpire brought the ball back and made him kick it again and he missed because <laughs> no one was on the mark <laughs> no one was on the mark uh, <laughs> oh, so it's theatre yeah, it's theatre and the Fuchsias won this game yeah they did uh, by 41 <laughs> points as well so it didn't oh, yeah. really matter it didn't the really change the result um, they beat North Melbourne twice by both 4 and 15 points and Footscray by 3 points um, this set up a big clash with Melbourne in round 18 yes it did uh, Redlegs <laughs> needing to win this game to make finals Ooh, no one I gave Hawthorne a chance they, Hawthorne hadn't beaten them in the past five years yeah so never yeah uh, they'd never beaten Melbourne I've got in my notes yeah no, yeah, we're not in the very yeah, well, in the opening yeah. quarter they kicked five goals eight with a wind to one goal and managed to hold on to that lead throughout the second and third quarters Hawthorne holding a 31 point lead over Melbourne at the three quarter time break oh the Red Lex roared back to life, Kaz, getting within four points. This is for the finals, boys. Before Keith Sharpley, who kicked two goals to register what some called Hawthorne's finest win since joining the league, keeping Melbourne out of the finals. I, am, oh. I must I just add to this. Before the game, Melbourne basically had their entire dev- defence line out injured. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, there's always something. No, they lost They lost five, five men just before the game. What yeah. is it with Melbourne not that, being able to win games to get themselves in the finals? Well, we yeah, just said, we're Mike. really good yeah, at it. You could, you could take that smile off your face, which is explain <laughs> what it was. <laughs> but it's smile. not the first time this has happened. No, it's and not. the last time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely not the last time. I'm going to start calling this pulling a Melbourne. <laughs> oh, losing, great. Losing your last game of the season to not make finals, pulling a Melbourne. Snatch defeat out of the jewels of victory. That's it. That's what it's all about. <laughs> I'm going to think of something. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> not winning premierships? <laughs> There's nothing bad about that. Damn it. Um, so, with that lovely uh, cadence, we'll move up now to ninth place. Fitzroy. Uh, um, seven wins, eleven losses, so eighty-nine point two percent. They are now down at the unofficial bottom. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, so finishing ninth, um, captain coached by Colin Niven, almost Sid Coventry. Mm. Uh, but, he, you know, it was all agreed. Collingwood... Wasn't, wasn't that Footscray? Was it Footscray or Fitzroy? Oh, I think it was Footscray. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. So, still, Sid, he... They've been. Doing it was Footscray. So well. It was Footscray. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. Uh, My bad. Uh, yeah. No. Well, we well we'll talk about that later then. <laughs> so yes. captain coached by Colin Niven, guys, <laughs> um, and their lead goal kicker was uh, Charlie Chapman with forty six. <laughs> um, wasn't much much I had to say apart from their round twelve match, which we'll talk about in more detail. But it broke the match against Collingwood broke the highest aggregate score in league history at the time, mm. with Collingwood and Fitzroy both combining to score. 38 33 261. Wow, I always think about that. I I dream about that these days. Yeah, Yeah. high scoring game. Yeah, Um, I've actually got quite a bit here on Fitzroy. Drama started pre season, boys. Mm. Fitzroy beating Carlton for the services, a a, a play you might have heard of called Hayden Bunton. Oh, yes. So Carlton had brought him to Melbourne in January. They'd promised him a job at the bank, but his mother was quite suspicious. She called that number that was supplied by Carlton and found there was no such job. What? Yeah, they were just trying to... If they could get him down to Melbourne, they could sign him was kind of their thing. So they chose Fitzroy, who had offered him a £1,000 signing fee and £222 for the season. However, the VFL blocked the signing because of the new Coulter law. Yeah. Um, Many VFA teams offered him the opportunity to play, but he stood firm on his decision. He would sit out the year waiting till the appeal to go through so he could start the following season. What the appeal for uh, for the money? Yeah, yeah, to play. Yeah, yeah. So he still got paid, I, I believe, for this yeah, season wow. as well without playing. Mm. Oh, the appeal from Carlton. Sorry, the appeal with the VFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, Carlton was out. They yeah, they, yeah. Because um, they lied. Yeah. So Hayden Button, the three-time Brownlow medalist, also a debutant, uh, future Brownlow medalist, and great name, Wilfred Chicken Smallhorn. Case. Oh, Chicken <laughs> Smallhorn makes his debut. Um. <laughs> He, yeah. yeah. The great name. Hopefully great, great name. Great, of course. Um, so, as, as you said, Colin Niven was the captain coach. Uh, he was from Maryborough. He had a very inexperienced team he was in charge of. They had good wins over Footscray and North Melbourne to start the season on positive notes. Uh, round six, they had an embarrassing 70-point loss to Carlton. Their coach, <laughs> Colin Niven, was reported for punching and violently pushing Davy of Carlton <laughs> after he kicked the ball, and he was suspended for the next eight games. So mm. coaching from the sidelines. Life Ben. Uh, following the round eight loss to Richmond, Starfield forward Jack Moriarty was yeah. dropped. Mm. Uh, he kicked no goals in this game and was down on his usual standards. For several weeks, uh, they would say he was kept out due to form. However, it seems he may have been carrying an injury as he didn't play again for that season. Yeah, he only played seven games for the year, and kicking that's... 20 goals, which is well below what you'd expect from him. Yeah, so stepping up in his absence was Charlie Chapman. Yep. Round nine, he kicked seven against Hawthorne in a big win. Um, at the end of the season, the committee urged members to try to find work for new players as a way to attract some quality players to the club. Because mm. players were going where the money was. Yeah. Doing what Carlton tried to do. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's interesting. So, obviously, the call to law brought in saying that you couldn't pay sums outside, but obviously mm. you can get jobs for people. Yeah, of course. So, similar to... And we know endorsements and the busy contracts that... Yeah, yeah that continue signed. to happen. The Savaki yeah. huts that get given... <laughs> You know, those sorts of... <laughs> yeah. So, eighth place, St Kilda. Um, so, dropping down, back down a little bit. Again. Um, with eight wins, ten losses, 101.3%. Oh. 
Yeah, so um, St Kilda captain coached by Bill Cubbins this year. Their lead goal kicker was Bill Moore with 83. So this is Bill Moore's second year in a row he's kicked their highest goals. And we will see his name in that place until 1940 now, Mm. which is unbelievable. (laughs) 11 years in a row, highest goal kicker. Coming from a club that can't deliver the ball into the forward line, it's pretty massive. Yeah, that's why you go to the footy fight to see. Yeah. And he's half forward flank in St Kilda's team of the century as well. Uh, Not surprising. Um, New president came in, which was committee member Charles T. Sir. Um, he was a loyal and great administrator. However, he passed away in May on May 9th, so didn't really have much time in charge. Huh. Replaced by Morris Guild, who inherited some prickly problems, knowing what the St Kilda board is like. <laughs> um, as you said, Billy Cubbins took over coach. Uh, George Sugar Sparrow retired because he was quite old. Yeah, he'd been kicking He's been around, around for a while. while. Yeah. Um, round one, so that loss to Hawthorne we talked about. Charlie Hinson was inserted into the game as the 19th man. Uh, first 19th man for St Kilda there. In round eight against Collingwood, Bill Moore, who is now playing permanent full forward, kicked 10 goals of the team's 15. Oh. It would take another 36 years before an opposition player would kick double, double figures at Victoria Park. Wow. Massive. Yeah. Legend. Um, following the round 11 loss to Richmond, and this being St Kilda, the committee brought several players to a meeting to discuss their poor performances, <laughs> basically telling them that they needed to play better or they'd be sacked by the club. Oh, God. <laughs> You've got to be joking, Jamie. They seemed to get the message. Works for uh, they had a thumping round 12 win over North Melbourne to the tune of 75 points, Bill Moore kicking nine. In the return game against Collingwood at round 15 at Junction Oval, Collingwood made a presentation before the game and gave the game ball from round eight to Bill Moore. Oh, that's they'd, good. They'd mounted it, I think they'd mounted it for him and, get, and, and presented it to him, which is yeah, quite, yeah. quite nice of Collingwood. It's Absolutely. Not, not generally something they do. Hmm. Um, they did the same for um, Alex Duncan as well, if you remember, when he had that day out. That's right, Carlton. yeah. Uh, they finished the season with wins over Essendon and Richmond. They would miss the finals by three games. Uh, and this would be Billy Cubbins' last season with the Saints. He'd been there since 1915. Hmm. Yeah, and moving up into seventh place, it's all very close, like you were sort of alluding to there. Um, but we're coming into seventh place right in the middle, well, a little bit, <laughs> South Melbourne, and they've got nine wins and nine losses. And if we work our way down here to the percentage, it is dead flat on 100%. <laughs> the most evenest season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. I'd take that. The Even Stephen Award. The Even <laughs> Stephen Award. So, uh, coached by Paddy Scanlon and captained by Joe Scanlon. Yep. Yeah. The only oh. case of brothers being captain and coach, and coach in, the same in the same season. Yeah. Oh, these are all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and their lead goal kicker was Ozzie Robertson with 54, but their second highest goal kicker was Tim, was a young up and coming player. Oh, here we go. Harold Robert Pratt. With 43 goals in his first season for South Melbourne, yeah. Bob Pratt. Bob Pratt. One of one of 15 debutants that year, <laughs> and by far the best. Yeah. Um, he'd been recruited. Uh, he'd also caught the eye of Hawthorne. Um, they saw, but Hawthorne saw him play a poor game. I think it was oh, Mitchum. One of the three that he played in his entire career. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. he was playing, playing for Mitchum, but Mitchum's coach, uh, Coach Pollard, encouraged South Melbourne to pursue him, and they did. You'd be, and be happy with that one. Yeah, you'd be very happy. Yeah. And then just below them was Ted Johnson with 30 goals. So the lead goal kicker for quite a few years was... He's being overtaken by a couple of guys, which is a good thing, yeah. you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, also that year, Austin Robertson, who was uh, one of their players, won the World Professional Sprint title at the Motodome. 
Good on him. So their lead goal kicker and won the world professional sprint mm. comp. Amazing. Austin Robinson, yeah. It's mm. yeah. no stall gift, but yeah. Yeah, we'll take it. Yep. Round one, they went down to Melbourne in the first game. Pratt kicking four on debut. South Melbourne's forward was weaker than the previous season, though. Oh. <laughs> they lost their first six games. In round seven, they met Hawthorne, whom they crushed by 49 points. To turn their form around, they lost only three more games for the season on their way to nine wins, including a good run of six in a row. Round 10, they had a 10-point win over Fitzroy with Pratt kicking five and Robertson four. Good little one-two punch there. Yeah, like that. Um, And yeah, so Pratt was really the story of their season. As a 17, 18-year-old, he kicked 43 for the season. Goals in every game. Um, But Robertson, as you said, kicked 54 in 13 games, including seven against Essendon and eight against Footscray. Mm. Yeah, as you said, nice little one-two punch there. Keep them strong. Always helps, doesn't it? Certainly does. If someone's off, the other one has a blinder. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> it's always the way to go. Mm. So, who, who finished sixth, Jazz? <laughs> um, so, Essendon with 10 wins, one more, um, eight losses and 105.5%. I was just going to, there's about three games between third place and eighth place. Yeah, wow. So Very um, even season. The, the one at the top, they've, they've hoovered up a few more wins. Hoovered so up. They're, kind of, <laughs> they're, they're, they're the reason pretty much for that clog there. There you go. Uh, So this year, captained by Charlie Hardy and coached by Norm Becton. Yep. And their lead goal kicker was Keith Forbes with 54, who apparently he started in with Essendon in 28. He was told before that he was he he tried out with South Melbourne. Was told he was too small to succeed. (laughs) So South could have had. Another one. You know how Essendon like their mosquito fleet, though. That's true. Yeah, Very that, true. I'd love to know if they're still known for that now. There's a few years well, ago. mosquito, now. like our um, you have mascots. little mascots of mosquito. mosquito. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so that's where that comes from. Um, not many players left Essendon over the off season. Only Harry Hunter leaving the club. They had two losses to open the season to Carlton and Footscray, but then we won six in a row. And we're sitting pretty in second on the ladder. Same old, same old. Um, Obviously, after these two losses early on, the club committee acted on suggestions that some players were neglecting their training and, in a warning, reminded players that training was absolutely necessary. <laughs> I like that that's a necessary warning. Um, round nine was a crucial game and a game in which a Melbourne full forward had a field day. We won't talk about that. I think yet. we should. We'll talk about we it. We'll just, yeah, talk yeah. about Melbourne. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, We'll talk about that later. <laughs> their round, I love it. Uh, their round 11 lost to Collingwood knocked them out of the four and they wouldn't recover from that. Keith Forbes, though, um, kicked 54 for the season, kicking goal, goals in all games except for round 18 against Collingwood. He kicked six against North South Melbourne in round 12, uh, which was his best haul. In round 16, in the return match against Melbourne at Windy Hill, Essendon had probably their best win for the year. Coming from 13 points down at three-quarter time to defeat the Red Legs by 10 points, with Forbes and Freya kicking four each. Of course. Uh, the club season's club's season report described Essendon like a proverbial Parsons egg, good in parts. <laughs> <laughs> However, the most important part of the 1930 season was the formation of the Essendon District Junior Football League, which for a long time Ooh. would provide Essendon with many uh, champion players. Even in its first season, a 14-year-old lad named Dick Reynolds was running around in the black and red ah. of the West Essendon team. We'll come to hear more of him not too far off. Oh, Excellent. Fantastic. 
As I said, this season, away. there's lots of names we're starting to hear. Yeah. Absolute champions. Yeah. In the, in the much vaunted sort of uh, more available times of history. Mm. You know, we're talking, you know, this is the build-up. This yeah. is the prequel, mm-hmm. right? It yeah. is. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> so who finished just above Essendon, sorry, Kaz? <laughs> Can you remind us of um, that? Yeah. Uh, the much better team uh, this year. And... Ele- uh, with 11 wins, <laughs> with one fifth place win. <laughs> <laughs> um, was none other than the Red Legs. Even though they lost to Essen, they still got the job done um, uh, by way of placing in the ladder. Seven losses, 104.7%. Yeah. I would love to know our 19th man, uh, our first 19th man. Oh, we'll have to look. We'll have to we'll look into out, it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they, we can put that up on the website. All the first 19th men. <laughs> That'd be and interesting. So, captain coached again by Ivor Warren Smith. Started the uh, mm. start of the season strong. Um, our lead goal kicker was the man that you alluded to before, George Margaritich, yep. uh, recruited from South Australia. Yep. Kicked seventy three goals for the D's uh, that season, which oh. is a record for Melbourne up to that point. Surprisingly, as well, he'd kicked seventy six goals the previous season for South Adelaide, despite them finishing last on the ladder. Yeah, amazing. Oh, wow. So he he kicked 11 in that game against Essendon that you mentioned before. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of their other recruits was named Harry Crapper. <laughs> Excellent. Um, it was it was a good yeah good start to the season for for Melbourne as we said they won their first five and sort of then maintained kind of until toward the end of the season where as we said they needed to win the last one to yep. make sure for their that fourth position mm. and they. Missed it and missed out to Geelong on percentage, percentage, percentage. unfortunately. Even. So round one, um, Margatich had a three-goal haul on debut in their win over South Melbourne. Round two, another comfortable victory, extending Melbourne's winning streak to two <laughs> start the season. Um, it was a bad day, though, for the city of Geelong because Melbourne Grammar had already won the annual boat race. And back in the... the uh, <laughs> yeah. the Suck it! Their football team were being thrashed by Melbourne by 37 points. That's right. Six. Head of the river, HR <laughs> out. Um, so with wins over Fitzroy North and Footscray, Melbourne were undefeated and second on the ladder. Um, heading into round eight, I believe. Oh, mm. sorry. St Kilda beat them at the junction in round six by nine points. Yeah. So they ran one their first five in a row. Round eight, they played Carlton after five straight behinds in the second game. Harry Crapper kicked the first goal and then ultimately the last goal that would win the match for the Fuchsias. <laughs> Although cr- credit should be given to the Fuchsias' defence for standing tall under the Carlton pressure. Round Damn. nine, we talked about Margatich booting a record, second highest goal tally by a Melbourne player in history to set aside, to set up that win. There you go. So Fred Fanning. Obviously. Fred Fanning kicked eight. Well, 18. Yeah, 18. Yeah. <laughs> but so <laughs> the second is seven goals off. There yeah. you go. Um so at halftime in this game, though, the mighty Essendon held a 10-point lead, courtesy of 21 scoring shots to 11. Um, but wasteful kicking saw them fail to take advantage, and Melbourne came out of the blocks in the third quarter, grabbed the lead, and never gave it up. Fantastic. Um, during that the match, a spectator spirit. is reported to have become so overexcited that he died from a heart attack. <laughs> oh, jeez. The third to pass away at a Melbourne game in recent weeks. In oh. recent weeks? My report Unbelievable. Says, well, that's why we bleed red and blue. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Um, round 13, they had a win over St Kilda. Bunny Whitman had a serious injury to his collarbone and would miss three weeks. Um, Warren Smith, Esposito and Usher also suffering injuries, but they would play next week. 
Round 15, the Futures defeated Carlton by a goal for the second time in the season. Yeah. Uh, they needed one more win for the season to qualify for finals. So they had round 16, 17, and 18, 18 to get one win. And Couldn't get is. over Essendon in round 16. No. Couldn't get over Richmond in round 17. It came down to that last game. Um, and as you said... They Against had perennial in. cellar dwellers. Yeah, so yeah. everyone would have been like, yeah, this is a, this is yeah. a bag. Um, yeah. Couldn't as do it. As you said, what, five players? Five defense. players out, yeah. yep. Jumped early, couldn't catch up. Could have at least saved ourselves for one for, for a Mel- game. You they know? pulled a Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, fourth place was, as you mentioned, Geelong. Making uh, finals. They had the final say. Uh, so, yeah, uh, 11 wins, 7 losses. 118.7%. So that's 14 more than us. Got it done. Good, got it done. Goal kickers and everything, but they're up above us. So captain coached by Arthur Coglin this year. Their lead goal kicker was Bill Culkin with 57. Mm. Yes. Um, one of their debutants was Joe Selwood. Oh, Good. Not Joel, Joe. And Selwood spelt with a double L. Oh, okay. Still quite close. Um, this is their first, first year as well without Hagger or Rankin playing up in forward. So, as you said, Culkin was brought in. Bill Culkin from Port Melbourne. Yep. Played three seasons, 35 games. Uh, kicked 57 goals as a 20-year-old in his first season with the club. Um, another recruit was Len Metherill from Subiaco. He kicked 24 for the year. It should be mentioned as well that Kaji Greaves... Well, you were going to mention that. Only played was, two yes. games for yeah. the season. So round one, they had a comfortable win over North Melbourne, but it came at a cost with Kaji Greaves hurting his knee. The 19th man being activated in the last quarter, Jack, that being Jack Carney. There we go. We got, we got two 19th men so far. We yeah. need to find out the rest. Uh, round six, they had a loss to Essendon by 41 points at Windy Hill. Uh, the only, goal, only game for that season that Bill Culkin was held goalless. Round 16, after the Doctors kept Greaves out since round one, he came back and played this round 16 game against South Melbourne. Early in the game, though, he caught the knock to the knee and it was a bad one. It kept him out. The same knee. Kept him out for the rest of the season, making it Mm. only two games for the year. Yeah. So why would you risk him? Round 18, after a comfortable 40-point win over Fitzroy at home, the crowd gathered around the committee box to await news of the Hawthorne-Melbourne game. Mm. Um, The results were posted on the board and a cheer rang out that Geelong had made the four. The time bell rang in celebration. Oh, I love it. The, that ele- electric time bell. Yeah, yes, because no. it was after round seven, so possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Third place, Richmond. 11 wins as well, seven losses, and 124.7%. Yeah, so uh, coached by Checker Hughes, captained by Alan Geddes. Their lead goal kicker is Jack Titus with 50. Skinny. Nice. Yeah, a little skinny Titus. Um... They also had the Brownlow winner play for them that year, but we won't we'll, mention... We'll talk about the yeah, Brownlow yeah. winner, because it's an interesting story. It's we'll talk, yeah, well. yeah, it certainly is. Uh, debutante, uh, one of the debutants, Eric Zsech. Ah. Z-S-C-H-E-C-H. A lot of... Oh, wow. A lot of consonants. Yes. <laughs> record, a consonant record. Indeed. All right. Um, so... Few interesting things. Big efforts were made this season to play some exhibition games in Brisbane and Sydney. Ah! So Richmond and Carlton played these games in August, and I might talk about those a little bit later. Round one, they opened their season against Collingwood, the team that had beat them three straight grand finals. Yeah. These teams that do exhibition matches, they always seem to go well. Can that be one of my things to look out for? <laughs> um, it certainly can. Okay, it can. I'll do that. 
Yeah. Okay, great. Sorry. And continue on, please. Okay. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so Richmond opened the season at Punt Road against Collingwood. They'd lost by 14 points. Uh, Ralph Empey was the first player selected and used as the 19th man. There you go. Uh, he replaced the injured Hope Hop Collins in the third quarter. Um, the club provided the 19th man with a khaki overcoat to keep him warm as he waited for his opportunity to play. Better than a snug. What was his nickname? Hop. Hop, yeah. Hope something. His first name was Hope. Hope Collins. Hope and his, Hop. And his nickname was Hop. Okay. Round three, after a loss to Carlton in round two, Richmond lost to Essendon by two points. After the three, first three rounds, they were winless. Richmond, done. Done and dusted. Um, then they'd go on a bit of a winning streak. Um... So they'd win the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in a row. Oh, massive. Yeah. Nine in a row. Beautiful. Love it. Mm. Love their style. Checky Hughes. Yeah. He pulled them back together. <laughs> and now in early July, Percy Page, the secretary of Richmond, yes. reported to the committee of a local player by the name of Jack Dyer. Yes. Mm. Seems like a good sort. Yes. Who will come into the club quite soon round 12 they won their ninth game in succession equaling the club's record in league football set over the 21-22 seasons round 13 South Melbourne ended Richmond's winning streak with a 6 point win at South Joe Murdoch uh, with seconds remaining received the free kick deep in defence but kicked the ball straight to the South player who booted the winning goal now they play as I said Richmond played two exhibition games the first one being in Brisbane before 12 thousand spectators it's a good crowd yeah and it was a draw oh, cynic suggesting it was a you know a fixed game that was going to be like that but like, like are, a wwe yeah. match <laughs> <laughs> but witnesses affirm and injuries are tested the endeavor of the players uh the curtain raiser is a brisbane rugby league game oh and now a week later they also played in sydney at the scg richmond winning this by 15 points before 16,651 spectators oh, not terrible crowds captain alan gettys was presented with a shield to commemorate the win against carlton in sydney at a dance after the north melbourne game a few weeks later um but what you'll Surprised. see kaz um yeah. with both richmond and carlton is that there was a bit of a effect of playing these games in brisbane and sydney that they were there's a bit of le- lethargy, lethargy they came home lethargy? they lost three in a lethargy? row they're yeah. a bit tired lethargic. they're a bit lethargic yeah yeah, that's yeah. It. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, as you can see, Richmond lost three games and won their one, two, and then lost their last game. Well, if you go to too many dances in the afternoon, you take that off the ball. Yeah, exactly. All right, second place, Carlton, fifteen wins, lovely, and three losses, one hundred and forty-one point six percent. I'm looking forward to seeing what was the cause of these fantastic wins. Yeah, so captained by Ray Brew again and coached by Dan Minogue again. Mm. Their lead goalkicker was Les Allen with 56. Uh, just behind him mm. we had um, Ansel it- Clark, Horry Clover, Jack Green and Soapy Valance filling out the, la- the top five goalkicker spots there. Sharing the goals around. Sharing them around. Yeah, and Les, um, Les Allen being a, de- a debutante this year as well. A few, few high-kicking debutantes this Isn't year. Isn't um, Good to see. Eric Huxtable, another debutant. I like debutant. that. <laughs> I like um, Eric. Sad news in pre-season, though. One of your favourites, Charlie. Uh, Silver Kane passing away at the age of oh, 48. the Silver King. Mm. At the age of 48? Yeah, young. Um, started the season really strong, Carlton did. Uh, win over Essendon in round one. Thumping win over Richmond in round two. Round three, they beat Hawthorne. Les Allen kicking three on debut. He'd then kick eight against South the following week. 
And you got to remember, they've also got Harry Valance and Horry Clover. Yeah, goal, so exactly. There's another As we one said. They yeah. made it seven in a row, trouncing Kangaroos at Arden, North Melbourne at Arden Street by 50 points. Bill Flynn, playing his only senior game for Carlton, scored three goals off the half-forward flank. Only game? Only three game, goals. three goals. How are you not getting a second call-up if you keep yeah. three goals off the flank? His feet was, was matched good? some 54 years later by another player, but yeah, not, not very often that a one-game player kicks, kicks three goals. Three no. Goals. Round eight, Carlton lost their first game to Melbourne by two points. Yeah, they did. Although the umpires took the blame. Um, <laughs> Thomas Frederick Sayers, 27, a labourer, was fined £10 at the Carlton Court following the game for having thrown a stone at umpire J.C. Kane at the conclusion of the match. Uh, the only thing that, that has saved you going to jail is that you are a first offender. If the umpire had been struck, you would have been sent to jail in any case, said the judge. Wow. Jeez. Carlton always Terrible throwing throw. things at the umpires, aren't they? <laughs> uh, round 10 at three-quarter time, Collingwood led, held a 17-point lead over Carlton, but a seven-goal six last quarter saw them notch an important win over the three-time Premiers. Oh. Valance kicked three, Clover eight, and they were magnificent. Um, the winner was a Soapy Valance kick just before full-time. Would have been a great game, that one. Would have. Yeah. Round, between round 13 and 14, the State Carnival happened, and that's when they travelled... Um, to Brizzy to Brisbane and, and Sydney, Sydney in, in Brisbane so they came back uh, around 14 saw one of their biggest wins ever scoring 23 goals 17 155 to beat North Melbourne by 128 points wow oh, they're pounding those ones there um, in that game Ansel Clark kicks 6 uh, Arthur f- uh, 4 it's, it's number 4 in their all time biggest wins as well oh. wow solid um and those th- the three of the other wins coming in the 80s. I could hear Round 15, they fell again to Melbourne by six points. Melbourne seemed to be Carlton's boogie side. I love it. Round 16, <laughs> they win over St Kilda, but was costly with Ruckman Charlie Davey knocked out. Uh, he tried to play on, but wandered around like a drunken duck. <laughs> he collapsed in the dressing room and was taken unconscious to the hospital. He regained, regained consciousness, but would be out until finals. And then round 17, it was really this game. They played Collingwood, and this was... Whoever won this was going to finish on top. Yeah. Um, Clover kicked four, but they couldn't hold on to win. Couldn't get it done. Couldn't come on. Yeah. Couldn't get it done. So finishing on equal wins and losses with Collingwood, but um, percentage yep. got them in the end. Not much, only a few percent. Yeah, that's right. It was 144.3%. So that's a three, three percent difference. Yep. The Mighty Machine, number one in the league this year. Again. <laughs> Again. Can you believe it? <laughs> I don't think we're surprising anyone. <laughs> um, black and white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> black collars. Because um, on our sheet here, we have the ladder, but there's also lovely pictures of uh, what colours each team wear. I thought I'd bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> vertical stripes. Yes, ah, vertical. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't changed much. No. <laughs> So, there you go. 15 wins, three losses, you said. Mm. Mm. Magnificent effort. So, captained by Sid Coventry and coached by Jock McHale. Still Jock. Still Jock. Okay, yeah. Still Jock. That surprises me. Well, yeah, yeah, I know. And um, lead go- go- goal kicker, Gordon Coventry, oh. with 118. Does that surprise you that as well? doesn't surprise me no. either. Sounds Funnily enough. So, by- behind him, we had very, very close behind him, was uh, Harry Collier with 39. Yep. And Horry Edmonds kicked 39 as well. And Billy Libus was 23. So, yeah, I mean, main avenue to goal. 
<laughs> was Gordo. But no, they looked all right. Um, pre-season Secretary George Connor left in somewhat controversial circumstances uh, due to some financial irregular- irregularities. He'd cooked the books. <laughs> yeah. um, his replacement would be Frank Wraith, Aye. who would be quite a capable replacement. Yeah, well. absolutely. But he was a scapegoat um, anyway. Now, we talked earlier that Sid Coventry applied to coach Footscray. Yeah. He was offered £10 a match. And in, in these days, you needed all that money. So he, I think he'd agreed. Tricolors approved him, but Collingwood appealed to the league who blocked his move. Yeah, saying that they didn't, they, their reason was they didn't want to approve moves that are, that the previous club didn't feel good about, mm. basically. And so we know the league don't want to upset Collingwood. No. no. Yeah, exactly. Never. So uh, there was a, there was a lot of talk about um, Sid Coventry actually from players within Collingwood saying how much of a fantastic coach he would have he, like mm. he would make as well saying that without taking anything away from jock they always said that yeah. during the games he he laid out the play yeah of, and which is always it's the a little bit like um dan minogue mm. in the fact that dan minogue was that kind of player as well and he ultimately left because he wanted to coach yeah yeah and he yeah they were still angry about that as well so, so i don't think there was as you mentioned we, we don't know the ins and outs but it doesn't sound like there was any bad blood it was just no. he was leaving for opportunity yeah absolutely yeah. i wanted to leave for opportunity yeah um so round one as we mentioned thirty thousand turned up to punt road for the game opening game against richmond jack worrell wrote this about the game what a magnet is this game of football affecting old and young of both sexes Oh, good. So yeah, oh, quality, good. With four <laughs> minutes of the game left, Collingwood trailed by five points, but a goal to George Clayton turned the tide, and the machine won by 14. Bruce Andrew was Collingwood's first 19th man, and they introduced dressing gowns to the player to keep him warm while on the bench. I love it. Mm, better than the khaki jacket or whatever Richmond had. Dressing gowns still being used <laughs> in full effect today. Mm. Absolutely. Dane, Dane Rampey making that, oh, that yes. Sydney one very famous. <laughs> um, now, round two, at, they played Hawthorne at Victoria Park. The 1929 flag was unfurled by... The President's wife. President Harry Curtis's wife. Excellent. <laughs> yes. They then had to hold off a desperate Hawthorne to win. Some surprise that uh, Hawthorne away. could get that close. Yeah. Round four saw a loss to Geelong at home by three goals. Geelong being one of those teams who have been able to beat Collingwood yeah. over the journey. Yeah. Round five saw a spirited clash with traditional rivals Fitzroy at Brunswick Street Oval. A game with five reports made, including kicking, attempting to trip, bustling, and... Yes, no players were found guilty, however. Fitzroy won by five points. Uh, and these were the only consecutive losses Collingwood would have over their four-peat years. Wow. Fans were outraged, though. A bit like at the moment. Collingwood, Collingwood's cooked. They're done. That's it. I mean, so they're, first on, the, the they're first on the ladder, but yeah, <laughs> they're done. Yeah. Two losses Ridiculous. in a row, it's unacceptable. That's if Jock right. McHale was coach, like manager of a Premier League like Chelsea, he'd be out. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. wouldn't accept that. You get used to winning. Mm. Oh, I can't wait for that feeling to happen to us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you think it will? Yeah, yeah. It'll take a while. <laughs> It'll take a while. Do you mean uh, like us talking on our podcast, and when we get to the fifties, or do you need? Do you mean like now? Yeah. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it'll yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> Will it? Uh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, round seven, they played Melbourne. Elvin Snowy Bar kicked two goals to seal the game, and then he flattened Melbourne's Billy Timms. Timms was a concussed and suffered from shock, taken home in a car. Bar was robbed out for eight weeks. Serious. An angry Melbourne fan attacked Collingwood players after the game. Good. One player no. was knocked over, and another Collingwood player took exception. A patron abusing him and threw a punch. 
The fan Ooh. ducked and the player accidentally punched a female spectator in the <sighs> face instead, breaking her glasses. When did, that's, that happens in movies. That she, doesn't happen in real she life. She named the player and the police went to the rooms to look for him, but he'd left. The club promised to pay for her glasses and she dropped the, oh. dropped the issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, round eight. Uh, Charlie Dibbs was missing for this game against St Kilda. He went, he went off to get married, so Jack Regan oh. filled in at fullback. I thought you meant he was literally missing. No, uh, he, he went to get married. Um, so Jack Regan, playing fullback, kind of the first time, had 10 goals kicked on him by Bill Moore. Yeah. But would end up being one of the best fullbacks yeah. of all time, Jack Regan. Round 10 saw a loss to Carlton with many crying foul of the umpires. Typical Collingwood. <laughs> <laughs> Um, around 12 and you mentioned this already Charlie that return match against Fitzroy yes um, high scoring game Coventry gro- breaking his own goal kicking record yep. though. 17 17 goals 4 he beat the Maroons on his own yeah unbelievable yeah um, another reward from John Wren awaited uh, his goals were as follows in the first quarter he kicked 2 second quarter he kicked 3 uh, and then 6 in the 3rd and 6 in the 4th amazing <laughs> That's 17? That's not 17, is it? What'd you say? Two, three, six, six and six. Five. Yeah. Is it? Oh, it is two. Sorry. It is two. Yeah. Yep. Carry on. Um, <laughs> round 17, they played Carlton in that crucial match to shape the four. The winner almost guaranteed top spot and the right to challenge. In a rugged contest, the machine won by 23 points. And this game again, Gordon Coventry brought up his second straight century of goals. Actually... Um, but again, no fuss was made. Actually, makes, like, when you think about it like that, that top spot really mean like it has a huge amount of meaning doesn't it on the challenge on the cha- yeah I mean yeah. It, it makes finishing top of the ladder actually mean something yeah. doesn't it yeah it really yeah, does it's true I don't know why I hadn't thought about that before still hate it <laughs> still hate it but <laughs> well, it's, good, inter- it is interesting. Is, yeah. it's yeah. almost gone this is the last season <laughs> yes um, I suppose it, it, the, the grand well, final is really the day of days I suppose so yeah but it'd be nice to have a bit more significance to yeah. finish on top of the ladder it really would you get the McClellan trophy yeah that's good I know it's a very <laughs> nice trophy <laughs> um, I wish I had final one. thing to say about Collingwood this season in their season proper was that they, there was a song that they uh, had written about them um, sung to the tune of Rudy Valley's Stein song and you'll never guess but I've got a copy yeah Stop it. Got it. Stop. Should we, should we listen? Absolutely. Drink 
Unbelievable. What a voice that, that singer has, guys. Yes, it does. Phenomenal. It's um, <laughs> wobbling away. Beautiful. Don't forget you can hear that song on our website as well. You can download it and listen to it at your heart's content. Turn it into your ringtone. Oi. Yeah. That's what you should be doing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's quickly go to Big Red and see what's happening around the grounds. Big Red's local footy roundup or your state and suburban football action. Sinking our teeth into grassroots football. G'day boys and welcome to the roundup for the 1930 season, taking you around the grounds to the VFA. Playing in their first final series after joining the VFA in only 1929, Oakley continued their impressive season with a nine-point grand final win over competition powerhouse Northcote. The game was played at Arden Street in front of a mere 8,000 fans. Obviously the game was seemingly unimpressive for the people running the VFA at the time, as the 1929 Grand Final was actually played at the MCG in front of 18,000 fans. So quite a significant drop in attendance at that Grand Final. Uh, Oakley had made a significant jump up the ladder this season, finishing fifth and outside of the finals in 1929, their first season in the VFA, um, with 15 wins, uh, to then be the minor premier in the 1930 season with just 16 wins, but in a much tighter VFA season. The most significant change on the ladder in the 1930 season was actually from Brunswick who finished third in 1929 and played in the finals recording 15 wins for that season and then dropped down to a lowly ninth position with only seven wins in 1930. The 1930 Ryder Cup for the best player in the VFA went to Port Melbourne's Edward Hyde with nine votes ahead of Skies from Williamstown on seven votes. The Gold King Award went to Frank Seymour from Northcote, who kicked 110 goals for the season, breaking the record that stood since 1912 when Dave McNamara kicked 107. Over in the Waffle, where East Fremantle, in their 23rd grand final appearance, extraordinary, have completed uh, their second triple premiership run, winning the 1930 Grand Final, but also the 1929 and 28 Grand Finals. In 1930, they have beaten namesake South Fremantle by 22 points at Subiaco Oval in front of 8,000 fans to record their 15th Grand Final victory. On a very windy day, East Fremantle won with nine goals to none in the second quarter after Fremantle, after South Fremantle um, had established a five-goal lead at quarter time but failed to use the wind well in the third term. During the final quarter, East Fremantle became the first waffle team to score 2,000 points in one season, which is amazing. Um, East were the dominant side in the 1930 season, finishing... The season as the minor premier with 14 wins um, and down in second position was South with only nine wins. So they, East Fremantle had an extraordinarily dominant season. The 1930 Sandover medal went to Edward Fleming from East, no, excuse me, some, from West Perth with 23 votes from the halfback flank. He was uh, relatively unknown outside of Western Australia, um, although Fleming was regarded by some football pundits, local and knowledgeable in the waffle, to be one of the most freakish footballers they'd ever seen, surpassed only by the South Melbourne champion Bob Pratt, so quite high regard there for Mr Edward Fleming. 
The Gold King Award went to Frank Hopkins uh, from bottom of the ladder side, West Perth, with uh, 74 goals in the 1930 season. And in a season where East Fremantle scored over 2,000 points for the season, it was surprising that Hopkins was able to win the league gulking with 74 goals. Hopkins, in the final round of the 1930 season, kicked 12 goals in the second half to finish with 14 for a game, which stands as a record uh, only equaled by Gary Ablett Senior in 1993 to kick 14 goals uh, in a losing side. Uh, to South Australia and in the Sandfall, the grand final was won by North Adelaide in a thrilling four-point win against the cross-town rival Port Adelaide, giving the Roosters their fifth premiership in their 42-year history and their first since their 1920 grand final win. Excitingly, the game was played in front of a packed Adelaide Oval where 24,000 screaming fans cheered on the two teams. Winning his second McGarry medal from the Norwood Football Club was Walter Scott with 53 votes after winning his first top honour six seasons earlier. The Sample Goal Kicking Award went to Ken Farmer from North Adelaide with 105 goals for the season as a 19-year-old. This will not be the last time I mention Farmer as his goal-kicking record for North Adelaide and in the Sandful is truly remarkable. Just as a starting point... When he retires from football in 1941, his goal-scoring prowess was so evident, but when he represented South Australia on 17 occasions, he averaged over five goals a game when he represented his state. Another small tidbit about Farmer, in his 13 seasons as a player, all for North Adelaide Football Club, from the age of 18, he was the North Adelaide leading goal scorer in each of those 13 seasons uh, and will finish his career with more goals than the great Tony Lockett. Uh, some of what people have said about Farmer, Farmer, Farmer's great scoring came from many attributes. His goals came readily from superb concentration and the ability to read the play and be in position. Not only was he a brilliant on a fast lead, but Farmer was described as having a very powerful grip and hence a strong mark. He was unnervingly accurate shooting for goals with a screw and flat punts, as the drop punt wasn't uh, around at that time. Uh, then down to Tasmania where uh, Lefroy City and Latrobe football clubs were the major winners. In New South Wales where the Sydney Football League team Newtown Football Club have completed a three-peat after beating South Sydney by 14 points. Also com- completing, in a, completing a three-peat was Gippsland Football's ba- Bansdale Football Club, winning their eighth premiership uh, in the club's history to this point. And lads, that's Big Red's Roundup for the 1930 season from around the grounds. Until next time, kick straight. <laughs> Also, this season, there was a state carnival. Yes, tell us more. The 1930 state carnival played in Adelaide, seventh edition of this national carnival. Six states contested the carnival, which was staged as a full round robin event amongst the states, all 15 matches being played at the Adelaide Oval. Um, so we had New South Wales, Queensland, Western South Australia, Tassie and Victoria all playing. Um, players from the VFL who represented Victoria... From Carlton, we've got Davian Martin. From Collingwood, who do you reckon will be there from Collingwood? Sid. Gordon. Yep. Sid was a captain. <laughs> Gordon. No, no Gordon. Ah, 
Collier. Both Colliers. Both Colliers, yep. Probably. Clayton and Rumney as well. Forbes and Vosti from Essendon. What, what was the defender's name again for Collingwood? Sorry. The, the, um, the one who became one of the he best ever. Regan. Yeah, he, he, he didn't shot there. Okay. No, because this is his first season. Of yeah. course. Yeah. I believe. Right, or right. early season. I'm looking uh, forward from, to that. From Fitchman, Fitzroy, Cashman and Chapman. Hopkins and Morrison from Footscray. From Geelong, we've got Corny, Hickey and Todd. One Hawthorne player, Stewart. Charlie Cameron from North Melbourne along with Lewis. Richmond have sent Skinny Titus and Hunter. St Kilda sent Billy Moore and Phillips and oh. Clark from South Melbourne. No Melbourne players there? Uh, I believe not, no. Oh. Either not well good enough it. or they were probably doing their own thing. They're probably down at Portsy. I imagine so. That yeah. sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so the they don't go to South Australia. <laughs> the match came. The, the title came down to the very last game, which was Astra- uh, Victoria versus South Australia at Adelaide Oval. Both teams uh, being four and four at that stage, no losses. Um, that final game being won by Victoria, twelve goals, fifteen seventy-seven to seven goals, five forty-seven. Yes, Victoria winning. I think the title had they lost it the last one. I can't remember now. I think they won it, didn't they? Didn't they beat? It wasn't a similar sort of setup. Maybe. Maybe. I can't yeah. remember. Neither. Yeah, so Victoria back on top there in the States. Um, South Australia second, Western Australia third, New South Wales fourth, Tassie fifth, and Queensland last. That's good for New South Wales. Yeah. Um, and I think there were some really big goal kickers in this final series as well. I can't quite... Well, Melbourne's full I think four. Billy Moore might have kicked like 36 goals across the games. Across the full five some, games. Something like that, yeah, because there's some big scores here. From the teams as well. I mean, they beat Tasmania 22 goals, 20 to 7 goals, 8. Wow. <laughs> and then they beat New South Wales 27 goals, 20 to 9 goals, 10. And then they beat Queensland 31 goals, 26. So, yeah, massive. Yes, the big goals, big <laughs> bag scored. Um, but let's get to the Brownlow because that's yes. really interesting. It was interesting this year, very interesting this year. So, interesting, so. Mm. Kaji Greaves obviously not going to win it, only playing two games. No, and uh, I've won Smith. Didn't have the year he usually no, has. No, no. Uh, but Harry Collier continued to play well. Yeah, so when they counted up the votes, Kaz, yes. it was a three-way tie. Mm. What to do? Three well, plays. Because you only get one vote. That's it. So they've been considered best on ground four times each, these three players. Yes. It was. Which is pretty low scoring. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you'd think, I mean, they'll probably... Yeah, three... Well, even four three points this... They, these days wouldn't get you yeah. near the brown level, would it? I'm going to hazard a guess that there are other games that would have so been So we, we, the guys we're talking are Harry Collier of Collingwood, who oh, won it good. the previous year, Alan Hopkins of Footscray. Whose nickname I learnt was Banana Legs. Banana Legs, <laughs> which we love. We have a winner. Alan Banana Legs Hopkins. Even though he's been around for some time. Now, Jazz Legs had it for a good reason. Um, banana well, leg sounds a little bit frivolous, if you ask me. Well, have a think about it, Kaz. There's, there's time but he, I mean, he, like, it wasn't just Jazz Leg's nickname. His name was Cyril Gambetta. I yeah. mean, it's a great name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the third one was Stan Judkins of Richmond. Mm. So, so the VFL weren't sure okay. what to do. Yes, and so what they decided... This is always going to happen. Was a, they, there was a panel. Yeah, there was, no, there was no provision for a tied result. They had no idea what to do. So panel. they decided on it would be... Dependent on how many games the players had played. Well, first they oh. said, "Well, we won't, we won't award it to anyone." Yeah, that's it'll be yeah. no award, and they're like, "No, that, that can't happen." So yeah, they did that's a, a countback. They did a countback. Now, yeah, so it was going to be awarded to the player who had achieved his votes in the fewest games. Mm. So Collier had played eighteen, 
which mm. kind of knocks him out. Yeah. Hopkins had played 15, and Judkins had only played 12. Wow, there's so many things you can argue. So the because award... he had been dropped for bad form. <laughs> <laughs> which is ridiculous. See? Um, the other outrage, and Collingwood were outraged by this. As, as you would be. be. Yeah, well, but being that there was two Collier brothers as well, one of the votes said Collier. It didn't specify which one. Oh. So that vote was just thrown out. Oh, you kidding. So, I mean, so he could have had five. My, I have to say... Five best on rounds. Five, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times the wrong number has been written next to the wrong name. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, of course that's... <laughs> That's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> so Judkins of, of Richmond was awarded the Brownlow. Yeah. So he, he was a showman. He put on a show for everybody by dodging and weaving and jumping. It was a splendid high work, high mark. Uh, he was 22 this year when he won oh, it as well. Uh, 165 centimetres. The only Brownlow medalist to be dropped during the year he won it. That's an in, that is interesting. I like that. Yes. But so there is a there is a nice finish to this story. There though. is. So in 1981, so they, they changed the rules. They changed the rules to allow more than one player to receive the medal if tied on votes. And in 1989, it retrospectively awarded the medals to Harry Collier and Alan Hopkins for the 1930 season. Who were both still oh. alive as well. So. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. nice. That's great. Yeah. Love so that. Harry Collier. Um, so this yeah. is the only time it happened. One, two in a row. Not one. Only it only happened. That's the only time. Only three-way tie until then. Huh, yes, really? there was a few. There was a few other countbacks that happened. Okay, but not no other three-way tie until two thousand and three. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying that. Um, that Harry Colley was twenty-two when he won it, and uh, himself and Albert, his brother, are the only two, uh, the only set of brothers to win the award. Yeah, who oh, both yeah. won it. Um, Alan Alan Banana Legs Hopkins, <laughs> uh, clever half forward uh, or centerman, um, meant a lot to his side. A feature of his play was his clever sidestepping and eel-like wriggling out of the crunches. He was 26. Um, Runners-up, though. So uh, for the medal. So three-way tie yeah. for runners uh, for winners. It was an eight-way tie for runner-up. For the third... For They all had three. Eight players got three votes. So that'd be Albert Collier, Forbes of Essendon, Chapman of Fitzroy, Todd of Geelong, Sharpley of Hawthorne, Bob Johnson at Melbourne, Foster at Richmond, and Rebel of South Melbourne. Amazing. <laughs> also, I just... I just made a mistake in what I was saying. I thought it was out. Yeah. So it was Harry Collier. So both brothers won it back to back. Yeah. Unbelievable. Mm. Excellent. And I mean, it's the machine. It doesn't really surprise us. No. Uh, All right. Let's get to this last year of the Argus amended system. Yes. So the semifinals. And we need to get our final song written, don't we? Yeah, we do. So we've got a song to play. So the first... The first final was played on the 20th of September in front of 47,985 people between Carlton and Geelong. Mm. And Geelong ran out winners. Mm. Carlton team was weakened by injury and suspension, and this forced Captain Ray Brew to take the field even though he had torn rib muscles. Uh, and he was replaced by the 19th man at half-time. Yeah, killer. Geelong kicked with the wind in the first quarter. Uh, Carlton played well to kick three goals to none in the first term and led by 17 points at the first break. Blues were dominant with the wind in the second quarter, but kicked atrociously, scoring one goal 13. Yeah, unbelievable. Geelong scored three goals into the wind. Uh, Blues having a 15-point lead, but it should have been much more. Um, Carlton should have won this match by a lot, but because of the atrocious kicking... That's it. it the, fi- the final score was 8-21-69 to Carlton to Geelong's 13-11-89. Yeah. So the two quarters where they had the wind, they kicked two goals 18. 
Yeah, you can't... While John kicks six goals into the wind. Yeah, you can't do it. <laughs> you feel for the coaches. Mm. And the next game, week after, Collingwood-Richmond on the 27th in front of a slightly smaller crowd of 40,218. This isn't the grand final. No, I know. Unbelievable. Collingwood-Richmond. Mm. 14-10-94, Collingwood to Richmond's 14-7-91. Oh, so close, Richmond. Collingwood come out uh, three-point winners. Okay, so Richmond with 28 points ahead during the third quarter, but the Magpies rallied with eight goals to one in that quarter. Uh, game swung again in the last quarter. Richmond kicked four goals to Collingwood's one. Richmond had a chance to win when Maury Hunter tore into an open goal only to miss. They still had a faint hope after the bell when Ralph Empey was allowed a set shot from 70 yards out, but the distance was beyond him. They gave themselves every chance. Yeah, and following this game, Percy Bentley was disqualified for eight games for striking Sid Coventry in the semi-final. Mm, killer. Oh, which, well, they knew what to do, Which they? takes Stop. us to the final. Yes. Well, the and preliminary final. They, yeah, yeah, but we know it's brilliant. Well, might, might be oh, the sorry, grand final. final. Yeah. Sorry, spoilers. It might, <laughs> it might yeah. be the, the final because, well, Geelong have to win. To force a grand to final. Force, to force a grand final. That won't happen. Couldn't possibly, could it? Machine. No, absolutely not. So on the 4th of October, in front of 41,000 people, or just over 41,000 people, Collingwood kicked 9-11-65 to Geelong's 12-19-91. What? I know! They did it. Geelong um, did it. Before the game, there were rumours sweeping Melbourne that Collingwood were going to lose deliberately... Uh, what this exact same rumor that we hear every, every time? Year. So the VFL could have a grand final and make more revenue. Yeah, yeah. Every time the, the people with the chance make the prelim. Yeah, Colling- they're always going to drop yeah. it. Um, yeah, started off slow for Collingwood. Uh, the Black Cats were just much slicker. It was eight twelve to three five in the first half. Had a thirty seven point lead at half time, and that was basically the game. Yep. Um, one positive for Collingwood was Gordon Coventry, who kicked four goals, took his tally past Dick Lee's record of seven hundred and seven. Oh. So a Collingwood man beating another Collingwood man. Yeah, so he's, he's the all time goal, goal kicking. Yeah. 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 Couldn't get it done that. Which then gets us to the grand final. The grand final. The grand so final. Collingwood have another go. Yeah. Um there was one per well, there was one person especially missing on the day of the grand final, Timmy. There was Jock. Oh, don't tell me. Jock McHale. Jock himself, gallstones. He was. In, <laughs> That's what I imagine. He, he was sick in bed. Yeah, yeah. He was sick. He was sick in bed. Oh, he couldn't couldn't move. That. So the the treasurer of the club gave a rousing halftime speech. Look, he's been around it. Instead of discussing, let's let's well, hear. Absolutely, from, we, mean, need to, look, we need Sid, to. Of course, we've got he Sid's, must be sick of us now. We've got we got a direct line to him. I'll we might you, as well yeah, talk yeah, to him absolutely. again. Absolutely. Let's 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 have a chat to our mate Sid. All right, uh, Sid, it's the Kick to Kick Boys again. Uh, now, look, tell us truly, and you, look, you're probably getting sick of us, but tell us truly, in your wildest dreams, would you have ever believed that you would win four premierships in a row? <laughs> G'day, fellas. Look, I'm, I'm just amazed. Our boys have done an amazing job. We are absolutely on top of the world. I think amazing is an understatement. Last year, we said you had done the unthinkable. Well, now you've, you've done the undoable. Do you think anyone will be able to match you? Oh, look, it's a, it's been a lot of work and, and the stars have really aligned. Look, three in a row is almost impossible, but four, I, d- I just don't see it happening again. Uh, look, now, quickly, before we talk about uh, today's Sid, I just wanted to ask you about the start of the year and the potential move to Footscray. Well, fellas, all I'm going to say about this is I was really keen on a coaching job and there was one there, but as soon as the deal fell through, I was more than happy to be staying in the black and the white. 
Absolutely, Sid. It was obvi- and obviously worked out well. Yeah, it certainly did, boys. It did. Now, this year, 1930, wasn't quite as dominant as your previous season. Did you feel as though the team was slowing down? Oh, look, uh, slowing down is probably not the way I'd put it, but it definitely was a bit harder. We were carrying a few injuries across the year, and that target on our back just kept getting bigger every time we won. Mm. Uh, look, they said we were slowing down in the papers, but I think the other teams were just speeding up. Did losing George Connor as secretary change anything in the club as well? Look, uh, he's been a huge part of our club, George, for the last couple of years, it's true. Mm. In a lot of ways, he was almost sort of a mascot for us. Uh, but, you know, they call us the machine, and that's not just on, but it's off the field as well. We we really are better than the sum of our parts, and Frank Wraith just stepped into that role beautifully. Yeah. Um, 82 wins over the last four seasons, I think the figure is. Phenomenal. <laughs> is that right? Mm. Look, I don't know the numbers, but, <laughs> but that's not bad, is it? <laughs> and did you... Uh, have you heard um, Kikaroo's nickname for you? Uh, no, what was it again? Uh, he... he he calls you the Bradman of football, Sid. Jeez, it's not bad, is it? Um, shouldn't shouldn't uh, Bradman be the Collingwood of cricket? <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting one. Um, look, that's, that's not a bad name at all. Um, moving forward a bit, you and uh, you had Harry Collier win the Brownlow this year after his brother. But I mean, there's a few issues with that, wasn't there? Yeah, look, oh, interesting turn of events that wasn't it? Uh, I, I mean, no respect, disrespect at all to Judkins. He's had a great year, but Hopkins and Harry definitely deserved it as well. I can't speak to Banana Legs, but I've seen all Harry's game this year, and look, his consistency of heart of, and heart have just kept us in it. Oh, very good. Look, now let's talk about the game today. How is your prep without Jock this week? Look, I want, I want to say this off the bat. He may not have been here today, but he was still absolutely in charge. The training, the game plan, the implementation, it was all him. And we, we all know it, and he knows it. He was the one who made sure we didn't even use balls of training this week. Um, all right. Well, how are your feelings about Geelong today? Look, we knew they were fresher with a week off and they'd beaten us during the year, but experience counts for something. <laughs> we, um, we've been there the last three years. We know what it means to play on the biggest day of the year. Actually, last six years as well, if you include the, uh, the last grand finals yeah, as well, Sid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, they were, uh, came out firing today, maybe for some retribution. Yeah, look, we, we struggled to get our hands on them. They, they kicked the first two, but we managed to claw, claw back with some really tough play, play in a, mm. and slowed the game, game down, tried to keep it on our terms. Now, are you referring to uh, Clayton there? <laughs> what was it, two minutes to play the uh, the play of the ball back? Yeah, that was an interesting one, wasn't it? He, pr- he probably pushed it a bit far, but yeah, that was kind of the idea. So, three points at quarter time. What happened in the second quarter, Sid? Well, look, they were just better, weren't they? In the air, yeah. in the air they were cleaner and they were just faster all across the field. Um, Trawden kicked a quick one and then yep. our intent to, to bully them a little bit cost us a couple of quick frees and gave them a couple of scoring opportunities. Mm. Uh, look, when Rayson put them 21 points ahead going into the main break, we really weren't feeling great. So, without Jock there at half-time, it must have been a bit different. Can you tell us what happened, how that was handled? Yeah, look, he may not have been there in person, but I'll tell you what, Bob Rush, who uh, is one of our administrators, uh, made sure we knew he was there in spirit. He he definitely lifted us, that's for sure. Well, whatever he said definitely worked. Can you give us a couple of things he said? Look, he, t- he told us that uh, Jock would have been listening in, in bed on the radio and he would have known exactly who was doing well and who was letting him and the side down. <laughs> <laughs> and he really reminded us of what we'd done to get here over the past, well, as you said before, five years, not just the last three. And then you and your brother started strong, didn't you? Yeah, look, I managed to get my hands on it and, and got the ball down to nuts as fast as I could and he, and he kicked that quick goal. Uh, 
I also just wanted to mention that today he managed to surpass the great Dick Lee's record of 707. Uh, you beat his two uh, Did you want... We, we wanted to mention it. What a huge effort. Yeah, absolutely amazing. But from that on, we, we got the momentum. Um, Makem snapped our fifth, then Harry Collier got us within a point. But it didn't stop there, did it, Sid? No, we had, you know, Tubby, Nuts kicked another one, Beveridge, and then Makem snapped his second as well. And then to finish the quarter, Nuts kicked our tenth. And Geelong only managed to kick one behind for the quarter to your eight goals, six. A turnaround of 53 points. <laughs> the last couple of years we've been pretty famous for our third quarters and I reckon this is, pro- is probably one of the best Absolutely. Yeah. I think all, uh, I'd like to thank all the boys for rising to the, ca- uh, the occasion it was really a wonderful effort from the entire team so the game was pretty much done and dusted you've taken all the energy out of the game but the last quarter was a bit more even um, did you make sure you kept your foot on the pedal look we did we, the job wasn't finished and, and even though the last quarter was closer we, we didn't let them back in and our effort was definitely still up they managed to kick three but we also managed to kick three. Oh, a fantastic game so uh, who was best on ground in your book Look, again, as I said, it was, a, it was a great even game. I mean, nuts kicking seven is huge, uh, but Bruce Andrew on the wing was just invincible, Ooh, yeah. and Makem's game was almost perfect at centre-half forward. Well, again, thanks, mate. Um, thanks for the time, and honestly, Sid, um, do you think there's another one? Can we talk to you again next year? <laughs> isn't four enough, fellas. Look, we, we're absolutely sure we'll keep on trying, but look, I better go. Um, Arthur Coglin, the captain of the Cats, has just get, managed to get in here. Well done again, Sid. Uh, enjoy it, mate. Yeah, mate. Cheers, lads. Thank you, Sid. It's so good to hear from oh, him. I'm going to miss him. Yeah, he's a very, uh, a very oh, understated man. Yeah. Maybe we just call him every year just to see, <laughs> yeah, what, to see what he's up I to. I hope we talk to him again. I think we got it. We'll find a way. So yeah. four in a row. Yeah. We finally got to the end of their four, Pete. Can you believe it? So over those four years, let's talk the stats of this club because it is outrageous. Okay. So hang on. Maybe never here. likely to be seen again. Four years. Prem- premierships 27, 28, 29, 30. Second team to ever go for, Pete. Uh, uh, wait, let me guess. Well, Essendon, obviously. <laughs> 1891, 92, 93, he actually, 94. He, he actually, just the, just the look just on your face. <laughs> no. So, I mean, Collingwood got there. Good on him. <laughs> I mean, it only took him 30 years after Essendon. <laughs> mm. anyway, in, sorry, stats continue. continue five and six years. Five and six years, I think it was for the D's. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, not a big deal, not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, no. that one we missed, that was... Well, let's, that was let's continue. We so 27, 28, 29, 30. It was close. Collingwood had played 82 matches yeah. for 70 wins, one draw and 11 losses. Unbelievable. I, th- I believe they'd also finished top of the ladder six years in a row. Yeah. I don't think any other team has ever done. Uh can't imagine it. I, no. I think you said before something like not many consecutive losses either. Mm. Yeah. Only one back-to-back loss, which yeah, was this season. That one this season. They'd yeah. gone through the 29 season undefeated, only losing that one yep. final yep. to Richmond. How many did they win? They lost three this year. Yeah. Yeah, and plus a final, so four. Yeah. Effectively. Um, yeah. 12 players played in the four-peat. The oh. Coventrys, the Colliers, Jack Beveridge, George Clayton, Harold Chesworth. Charlie Dibbs, Bill Libis, Bob Makem, Frank Murphy, and Harold Rumney. There, were, there are a few players there that you mentioned, Makem, Libis, and stuff, who maybe sort of go under the radar a little bit. In, but they're in at least one or more, more likely two of those premierships. They were instrumental in those final, in those grand finals of making it happen. Yeah, I love those players. Um, yeah. He, yeah. 
They're the ones who get it done. Here's something that might astound you as well, and I'm, I'm quite keen to ask this to Michael Roberts, the Collingwood historian, when we talk to him. Oh. Not one Collingwood player or coach is in the AFL team of the century from this era. Not one. Not even Gordon. No, not Gordon Coventry. No. Oh, really? You bet him out there at full four. Well, because I know that I, I remember from, from reading a little bit about it, there was a huge argument about who was going to be coach of this team. Mm. And it was it was between Norm Smith and Jock McHale. Yeah. And it fell the other way, I think purely on percent, like like yes. their winning percentages because Jock was leader over a much longer period yeah. of time. Yeah. But yeah, not one Collingwood player from this era, or at all actually, there's no Collingwood players at all in the team, AFL team of the century. None <sighs> at all. None at all. Because they're a force on their own, aren't they? That's unbelievable. <laughs> You, which got which you know it's it could be looked at as saying you know it that shows that this is a, a team? extraordinary team yeah. over a tr- mm. team of extraordinary players. Mm. Yeah, like well, got I your mean, wingers. Yeah, there are extraordinary players. I mean, Gordon Coventry. <laughs> yeah. And having a look at their because they've got to be coachable as well. You know, you've got to get there and get the job done. Yeah. yeah. And having a look at Collingwood's team of the century, you've got Harold Rumney, Sid Coventry, Albert Collier. Yeah. So you got a few. Yeah. Gordon Coventry, Harry Collier. You, if, we so must really. There's only what there was that five or six in there. Yeah, what that if, makes sense yeah. though. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, they'd have to. Can I be um, indulgent and follow my thought through? Yeah. So, what if we got Collingwood's team of the century? Yeah. And versed the AFL team of the century then, because they because they have no Collingwood, and then see how that see how that stuff. Imagine, <laughs> like AFL Live 2020, you could do that. <laughs> yeah, that'd I'd be think. fan. I'd love to do that. Run those simulations. <laughs> Like Rocky, Rocky maybe just yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where they can somehow simulate the game. Well, you maybe know, you just play, line like them you up. could play any team against any team. That'd just be the machine team versus you know the Hawthorne team that won three in a row. Mm, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Good. Um, the key to the Collingwood success was also revealed in the papers a few day after a few days after their win. They've been using Forbes Phosphorine Energy Tonic uh-huh. to help give them power for the game. <laughs> that sounds very cancerous. <laughs> <laughs> um, each player from the team was also given five pounds from a lovely supporter. Oh, that's nice. Mm. Excellent. Was Patron. this lovely supporter's name John Wren? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. He's doing more behind the scenes. Um, now, retirements, we usually go through a long list of retirements, yeah, but there's not many. No, oh, good. well, that's always good. Well, you think about it. This is kind of, we've, we've had a few in the previous years, haven't we? Well, there's players retiring all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's the depression, so yeah, no they'd be really holding on. doesn't want to leave because you're, right. you, you're losing money. Revenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, absolutely. So the well, only North Melbourne are bleeding badly, but... Mm. Mm. But no one of note, really. I mean, that's the only right, real yeah. players that were leaving were Bill Lever from Carlton, George Gibbs of Collingwood... Alan Arthur of Essendon and Billy Cubbins uh, was kind of finishing off, but I feel like he's got another few games he plays. Yeah. Um, but no real players are note. No. Leaving. Well, if you d- didn't have to, you wouldn't, as you no, say. You yeah. Money. An extra three pounds a week would make a big difference. Yep. Yeah. Um, so let's let's run through run the season. Through. Um, reserves grand final as well. Geelong defeated Richmond ninety six to seventy four to take out the reserves. They're going well as well. Um, so. The Premiership team. Premiership team, Collingwood. The leading goal kicker. Uh, Gordon Coventry. With 118 or will... Uh, no, not quite. 
Do we know how many in the actual home and away? I don't. No. Uh, the winner of the 1930 Brownlow medal? Ah, three-way tie. Yes. yes. Alan Hopkins of Footscray, Harry Col- Collier of Collingwood, Harry and Stan Col- Judkins of Richmond. Of Richmond. Tiny little man. North Melbourne with his, with their third uh, wooden, spoon. wooden spoon, their second in a row. And the Coulthard uh, shield, shield goes for to the highest score goes to Collingwood. Collingwood score of, of 25, 17, 167. And the McCracken Name Award, oh, Kaz? Kaz. Oh, Who's it going to okay. go to? So we've got, so the holder is Ted Esposito from Melbourne at the moment. Esposito. Yeah. <laughs> Options Can't we have, have Malbray Weir, Hector Moir, Artie Frecker. Wilfred Chicken Smallhorn, Harry Crapper, Eric Jack, Eric Huxtable, or Alan Banana Legs Hopkins, who has been playing for quite a while, but we've just discovered his nickname. So, Excellent. Okay. Mm. So, drum roll, please. And the winner is Alan Banana Legs Hopkins. Hey, there we go. So, he gets the sorry, is, and the McCracken. Yeah, that's right. I'm um, sorry about the Smallhorn. Yeah, uh, Chicken the, Smallhorn. That's right. Special mention. And, um,. There you I'm go. looking uh, forward to next. Yeah, we are. Um, Premiership tallies very quickly. Collingwood now on nine. Oh, Fitzroy seven, Essen six, Carlton five, Melbourne two, Richmond two, South Melbourne two, Geelong one. I mean, the good thing with Collingwood is we know they've only got six more in the next, you know, ninety something years. And we got plenty for the days, which <laughs> yeah. is good. Ah, uh, yes, we'll enjoy that. We certainly will. Mm. Uh, so hopefully we'll be talking to Michael Roberts shortly, the Collingwood historian, and he's going. We're going to run through the Collingwood yeah, machine. It's a, good to go through. Yeah, it. I mean we've we've talked about right, yeah. them singularly as each year, but it'll yeah. be good to talk about that time as a whole, yeah, which will be interesting, mm. very interesting, and yeah. I can't wait. It'll be yeah, awesome. So yeah. Apart from that, check out our website, check out our Twitter feed, mm. Instagram, Facebook. God, Tell we're all us over the, all we're all over, over the socials. We've got, we've got a few um, few little interviews we've got coming up as well. You might have noticed our live episode is now online and has replaced our old crappier one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's up there to listen to. Uh, yeah. So yeah, lots going on. That's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah, so you know anyone in Russia? Um, <laughs> we'll send. We've got we've got all sorts of things we can send you. Yeah. Check yeah. it out. Yeah. Check it out. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks very much. All right. Well, until next time, hooroo. You can contact kick to kick by email at kick to kick podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at kick to kick pod or Instagram, which is at kick to kick pod as well. For our growing list of all our references, please go to kick to kick dot podbean dot com slash p slash reference dash list thank you very much for listening